fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Monday, July, what is it, 22nd, 2018? Joe Hagman here, your co-host, let's, along uh, with John let's, Robertson. Let's, let's shoot for the 23rd. Oh, 23rd, okay. John, I'm so screwed up. I got, I, I, I'm working with... I got three monitors in front of me to do the work of one computer because my Mac screen is broken and uh, it, it's been obviously, you know, it's been uh, aggravating and you helped me out and actually gave me, lent me a PC, which has come in handy, but I, 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 I don't even like those two letters. P- Isn't it funny that PC stands for politically correct and it also stands for the side of the computer tracks you just don't want to be on. No offense to our PC users out there, but let's be honest, the Mac world's where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, I I used to love the PCs, and then, you know, Eric had us on a mad rush to switch to everybody to Macs, and I was in no hurry to do that. I was very comfortable with the PC. I liked how it worked. I knew how to operate it. I'm not too tech savvy, so, uh, but then getting used to the Mac and going back to the PC uh, you know what you're missing on that one. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say Mac all the way now that I've had the experience of <laughs> You know both. what it's like? You know what it's like? It's like, and, I, and I'm sure many of our listeners out there have been in this jam. You break up with somebody or, or they break up with you. But either way, you go through the whole thing. You go through the breakup blues. You get a cat. You join the gym. Or you go the other direction. You get rid of your cat and gain 30 pounds. And then, and then you go back out with the person a couple of times. You like you, you go on like that post breakup date. What four months later, maybe three, four months later, and you're sitting there through the middle of that plate of pasta, thinking, "Why am I sitting here? Oh my goodness, I can, I can totally remember why we broke up." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, we'll get it all fixed. We'll get it all figured out sooner than later. But we are still able to do this show, and we are going to do just that. We got a lot of news to get into today. Uh, heavy news weekend. Uh, I, I couldn't even. I, I did a lot of reading over the weekend and research into current events and news, and also into biblical things. And I did not have a lot of time. I wrote some stuff down, but I wish I would have made better notes. Anyway, we have the uh, information. A few things first. Let's talk about uh, SGT report. Apparently, SGT report has been wiped off of YouTube, and that is Sean, a, a friend and guest of the show. Uh, this morning, apparently, when uh, somebody went to go look for a video, and they found that the channel had been wiped. Now, he had a big following, a very big following, 
and he was very influential and we uh, had talked to him about the possibility of this happening and it, he did expect it but it just goes to show you that and there was an internet forum that I frequent that PayPal actually uh, stopped doing business with it which was his primary its only method to uh, for subscriptions on this website was PayPal this is the new thing Joe this is happening left and right uh, PayPal uh okay so over the weekend uh twitter shadow brand brigitte gabrielle uh we haven't had her on the hagman report but i've invited her a few times uh she's just an enormous name in in um in whistleblowing uh, about the islamic mistreatment of women uh sean from sgt has been fighting the youtube battle for three months and uh, i put a call through to sean about an hour and a half ago i expect to call back here anytime uh, of course, we will back up SGT report 110% at Hagman report uh, to the best of our ability. But you know what really bugs me, uh, Joe, about what happened to SGT, aside from the fact that Sean is a friend, and as I've mentioned publicly several times before, uh, I will always owe Sean kind of a special debt of gratitude because he was one of the absolute first people that I started listening to when I got my first iPhone back in 2010, uh, 2009 maybe. SGT report's been around a long time, Joe, that Sean made his bones in this business a long time ago. And, uh, and to see this happen to him today uh, is not only professionally uh, 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 a bad indicator for all of us, but on a personal level, it just sucks. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, it's unfortunate because it's not like he was out there uh, promoting abortion, promoting pedophilia. He was exposing it. And somehow that equates as a threat to the mainstream media, uh, you know, political mainstream. And I want to talk about something, John, that I don't know if we, we did not talk about this over the weekend. But there were a few people who had their Twitters uh, who were deleting their, their past tweets like crazy. Pat Al Patton Oswalt was one and, and Ian Michael Black. Both are comedians. And both had numerous references on their Twitter feeds about raping children. Now, it could be taken as a joke because they are comedians. Obviously, there is no uh, area for sense of humor there. But it, uh, Patton Oswalt, here, I'm going to go through my history, and I'm going to pull this one up. He said that he was a proud pedophile. Uh, I think it was Friday. Oops, I almost cleared the history. Let me uh, let me pull this up so I can get the uh, quotes exactly right. So Ian Black, Michael Ian Black, and Patton Oswalt both had very interesting uh, uh, weekends with Twitter as they were deleting things left and right, as I said. And yeah, Patton Oswalt came out and said, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a proud pedophile. Don't be a pedophobe. I'm a pedophile." I'm a proud pedophile. You know what? Okay. All right. All right. All right. So first of all, this is getting get the, the exact text, but go ahead. John. This is getting into semantics because as you and I have discussed on the daily show before a pedophobe, a P E D O P H O B E. And you defined this Joe actually several uh, months ago is technically defined in the dictionary as one who is afraid of children. So you could put that in like being afraid of heights or being afraid of spiders or being afraid of, milk out of somebody else's fridge but they are trying to corrupt that that uh that word they're trying to co-opt it to mean 
one who is uh, is unduly uh, fearful of a pedophile. And the New York Times started this, <coughs> excuse me, this garbage back in the late summer of 2016 with an op-ed that made me want to puke. That op-ed got me so hot so fast that I was on the phone yelling at your dad and he was <laughs> and he was yelling back at me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have the uh, uh, Michael Ian Black. So this is on the this is all on the heels of the what happened with Disney. Uh, we know that the Disney uh, Marvel was it the Marvel guy here? I got it right here. Let me pull it up. The Guardians, Guardians director of the James Gunn yeah, James was fired over his uh, disgusting tweets that he had put out. Basically, uh, you know, promoting pedophilia. So now we have Patton Oswalt. This is what he wrote. The angry at tweets from my hammer-toed followers opened my eyes. Pedophobe shaming hurts us all. I am a proud pedophile. Again, that's Patton Oswalt, the comedian. Yeah, I saw that, man. I couldn't look. Comedians, I've been around a million of them in my life, Joe. They're some of the saddest people. You know, the old... You know the old showbiz cliche, the, 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 the tears of a clown, the sad, drunken clown? Uh, it's been around since the circus oh, yeah. era. Uh, comedians, for the most part, fit very much into that category. In the time I've spent in Hollywood, and even in the time I spent in, uh, in the Christian concert uh, uh, business growing up with my dad, um, you know, a lot of Christian comedians start out on the secular circuit. And, and comedians are some of the, the saddest uh, most high percentile uh, of of massive addiction. I mean, I'm talking massive addiction issues. And look at everybody. I mean, you could actually say you could make a strong argument that there are more dead great comedians than there are live ones. And yeah. the sad thing that they all share in common is they either uh, commit suicide or they overdose. And that segues into something we're going to talk about later this week. But this this issue of uh, of uh, being found hanging from a scarf by a uh, doorknob. We're gonna we're gonna unpack that this week, Joe, because I'm all over that story. Uh, it happened again over the weekend. Um, uh, and uh, anyway, we can get get into that in a moment. But I'll hand it back to you. So Michael Ian Black, the well, s- somewhat well known comedian, uh, he tweeted out a number of things. Now, uh, one of them, I'm, I'm not gonna read all of them, but uh, one of them said something like, uh, "What did I do today?" ate a bowl of Wheaties, did some writing, raped a baby, picked my kids up from school. And then there is another one here. I mean, there's plenty of them. I'm just giving you the... uh, There's one where somebody talks about Jared Fogle, and he replies, well, we used to molest kids together. Now, whether this is a joke or not, I I can't see how some of what he did say could be taken as a joke. Uh, There's nothing funny about it. It's not even in a... In a, in a context that you would take it as a joke, it's more of a matter as a, a matter of fact statement. But um, what is nothing it? funny? It's not even it's not even appropriate. Look, no. look, look. This is th- 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 there are certain things that I could say to you right now, Joe. Uh, th- even with the level of friendship we have under the bridge, that that would dramatically change our relationship from this moment forward. There, there. Any human being can drag from their from the idiot side of their mind or, or from their reprobate soul, which I think might be the case with some of these quote unquote comedians, uh, something that can destroy your, your, in this case, your credibility, your reputation. And I got news for you, pedophile boys, delete all you want. Deleting a tweet doesn't mean anything, man. That stuff is in 
uh, the cyber world where it will remain. But uh, but even pe- people need, you know, it, it's, it says in the Bible to take captive our thoughts. And it also tells us to bridle our tongues. And there's a reason for that, because you can, in one stupid statement, in one ill-thought-out uh, remark, or in one shot too many, you can say something that can alter a friendship or a relationship permanently. One sentence. So the stuff these people are banging out on Twitter, look, there used to be a weird trend back in the late 60s, uh, and it was the dead baby joke. And this is way before your time, Joe, because frankly, it's before my time. I've joked about killing babies before, you know, tongue-in-cheek, uh, you know, being silly or whatever. Um, well, this was, a, this, this was a trend. This, this was a trend that went around the country. And if, and if Twitter had existed back then, it would have been all over Twitter. But, but, uh, but the, the, there were things like uh, it, they were done in riddles. Like what's uh, what's black and white and red all over? And somebody might say uh, a newspaper, and then somebody else would be like, "No, a mixed race uh, baby that just got ran over by a car." They, they they were dead baby jokes, and they were they were tasteless, as I just indicated. Uh, but it was a trend that that kind of kind of came out of the late '60s, um, and I'll I'll extrapolate that into saying this: I think we are in a cultural swirl down the bowl. Uh, very similar to the one we were in in the late '60s. I would, I, I could sit here all day long, and drum up comparisons between uh, mid 1968 to mid 2018. I mean, my goodness, look, we just commemorated the assassinations of both Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy here on the Daily Show in the last 90 days. Yeah. So this is what some of uh, Michael Ian Black's Twitter says. Um, Okay, let's. I'm not going to read all of them. Obviously, there are some very vulgar ones. Okay, he says uh, something along the lines of going to his children's kid, uh, his children's schools, Hollywood elementary school, Hollywood or Hollywood Halloween uh, party, and he says something along the line. And this we're talking about like fifth grade or something like this. And he says, oh, you know, no slutty costumes, uh, disappointment. Um, he says things like uh, hosting a bunch of 11-year-old girls over for a sleepover tonight, terrified their parents will find out. Um, idea, sell little containers yeah, of sick. sell little containers of semen as boy caviar. All right, all right. So, okay, so, th- so this is clearly a situation where we need to call on patriot men who, uh, who know what size pants they wear and wear their belts around their waist, thank you very much. It's time we start punching these people in the nose. Enough is enough. I mean, we can have Twitter battles all day long. And am I uh, making a call to violence here today on the Hagman Daily Show? No, but if you come across a pedophile that thinks that there's some kind of clever comedic value in making a tweet about selling uh, a miner's semen... Punch him in the nose. Well, you know, this is the thing. This is where we have to make the distinctions. One, uh, these people can say things like this. Obviously, it's offensive. Obviously, they should be fired from their jobs or, uh, you know, they should be held accountable. They should be banned from Twitter. But we need to dig in and find out if this is uh, more than just words. And I think this stuff is a good start. Now, hopefully... Somebody in this person's jurisdiction, wherever they live, turn these tweets over to the police. And this would be the beginning of an investigation. Um, Does that mean we don't get to punch anybody in the nose? Well, you know, 
I would say, normally I'd say yeah. I mean, it, okay, Jared Fogle comes walking down the street. Say he gets it early. He's done. Set. Yeah, he's done. He's done. He's done. The, he's done. I'll uh, bum rush guy, that guy from six blocks away. Joel Davis, he comes walking down same, the street. Um, same thing. Yeah. Same same thing. That guy, he comes within he comes within six blocks of sprinting district di- distance from me. And and you know what? I'll take the handcuffs. I'll take the concrete box, and I'll take the court date. But that boy's getting torn up. And you know, I don't like Harvey. I ne- never knew who Harvey Weinstein was. Uh, before this whole, you know, Me Too movement, but I wouldn't punch him in the face. I don't think he uh, he deserves that. Uh, you know, this well, is, that's a different story. I mean, at least he he kept his sexual assault to adult women. Um, not know. only not only that, but look, Weinstein. Look, there's there is a sickness upon this land, Joe. And I've tweeted out. I want to uh, I want to encourage people to. Uh, to visit my Twitter feed at Robertson John, not 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 just because I've got a bunch of brilliance up there per se today, but I do have one tweet that I want people to see that I made really early yesterday morning. It's got a couple hundred views on the video, but it's just about the power of prayer, and 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 that's really at the end of the day our primary weapon against this reprobate behavior. But I also want to make sure uh, that I draw people's attention. Uh, Peter Barry Chalka knocked it out of the park. Now he doesn't have the biggest Twitter account yet, uh, but he's got 84 retweets on his recent article uh, about the Occupy movement. Uh, and uh, it looks like they are, Joe, it looks like they're throwing up roadblocks in L.A. Um, this is downtown L.A. And Peter Barry Chalka, at uh, P. Chalka on Twitter, uh, this is a pretty clear, looks like a roadblock to me. There's a road and it's blocked uh, by people who are screaming for the abolishment of ICE. But I've digressed off of, well, we started with Twitter because of this whole Twitter a pedophile thing but at the end of the day there is a sickness upon this land and it is incumbent upon each of us as americans as patriots as christians and frankly just as decent human beings okay if you think that somebody is a victim of pedophilia i don't care if it's your next door neighbor or the person uh what about that joe what about that story uh four or five months ago about the uh, the flight attendant that uh, prevented that active child trafficking issue by leaving a note in the bathroom and the child responded and they had uh, federal agents on the plane when the plane landed. Um, It is time, frankly, to get into other people's business a little bit. And I'm not, again, I don't want to promote violence. Uh, If I, if I choose to want to knock one of these clowns out, that's my problem. Uh, But uh, we all need to be mindful. We need to be keeping an eye on this because, Joe, there's a spirit. You you and I both know from Ephesians 6 and all through the Bible that there are powers and principalities that have contractual dominion over a given region. And over the United States of America right now, and particularly over Hollywood and over New York City and over D.C., there is a spirit. There's a, there's a, there's a demonic contract that's got a lockdown on perverting people's minds to make them want to have sex with children. It's look, it's disgusting to me. I can't even my mind can drift to some pretty dark places, Joe, but the idea that that's what floats your boat, um I'd rather be dead. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you, John, and it's uh it's unfortunate. And again, back to kind of what got this ball rolling or got the attention on uh you know some of these Twitter posts was this John or I'm sorry, James Gunn, who was the uh, founder or, or the director of the Guardian series of Disney. And there was another guy, John, that you've warned me about in the past who worked on children's movies. 
I've heard Family Guy make jokes about them, um, about him. I'm, I can't remember. Is it uh, Singer? There, there's a there's a couple of them. Well, Bri okay, Brian Singer is one of the biggest. Now he has the Wolverine, uh, for, um, not Wolverine. What is that group of superheroes called? He he's got the uh, Marvel. The 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 uh, yeah the biggest superhero franchise in town right now. The one that the one that's got uh, Wolverine and all the other the yeah. the. Uh, uh, I, I'm drawing a mind part. I apologize. Mar the, the Marvel franchise singer who actually made his bones in Hollywood with a, a really dark film in the 1990s starring guess who Brad Renfro, who who's been dead for 25 years. Brad Renfro, very, very suspicious in my mind, uh, 25 years old had Hollywood by, he literally had lightning by the tail in Hollywood is one of the hottest a list young talent out there and uh and a uh, singer made a film with with uh a brad renfro and with the guy that plays the wizard in um in the uh, lord of the rings franchises the uh what's his name ian uh ian mcclellan uh the the, no the, old, the old guy i've never seen the uh, lord of the rings oh, oh you haven't well uh, it's a great thing to watch if you're flying from here to you know brisbane australia but anyway uh uh, Singer got started making this film with with Sir Ian McClellan. That's the that's the, the old the old gay dude from from the Lord of the Rings franchise, and Brad Renfro, who is dead. And I met Brad Renfro briefly once at a at a bar in Hollywood, but um, but I think Renfro Joe may have been a victim of this Hollywood pedophile machine. Um, he had the exact same characteristics that took out Corey Haim. Uh, the drug addiction, the compartmentalized personalities. It's sad, but what it really is is it's self-defense to being abused by those in a position of authority over you. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, I put a new app on my phone over the weekend that enabled a bunch of my old Hollywood buddies to find me. Um, if I had known that was going to happen, I wouldn't have put the app on my phone. But I've been in touch with four or five of my Hollywood buddies uh, over the past four or five days. And all, apparently, a rumor went, went around Hollywood, Joe, that I was dead. <laughs> really? Um, so I didn't know that until yeah, I didn't know that until yesterday. But a, a good friend of mine, a Native American, cool guy. His name's Corey. Can't remember what tribe he's from, but he's a cool dude. I worked with I worked with him on MTV. Uh, in fact, I was working with him the day that you first called me and asked me to be a guest on the Hagman Report back in February of 2015. But I but. Uh, yeah, Corey, and then another guy I know, Marty, who I worked with uh, on the CSI franchises. Uh, yeah, a rumor went around town that, that I had died. And I don't know how that rumor could possibly have gotten started, except to say that two of the lead men uh, with whom I worked a lot, Joe McAveedy, whose brother, Stephen McAveedy, is the uh, producer of Passion of the Christ. You've heard me talk about Joe a lot. Uh, he died, and then uh, the other lead man, Andrew Schultz, that I did the Marvel commercials for, the Star Wars commercials. We did a couple of big feature films together. Uh, he had a sailboard accident in Texas and died as well. So, so I had two guys I worked closely with die within six months of my uh, exoneration out of Hollywood. So maybe that's how the rumor got started. Joe, I'm sorry I'm off on a major tangent. But yeah, everybody in Hollywood thought I was dead. And I guess by Hollywood standards, I am. <laughs> Well, no, that's all right. I'm glad that, you know, we, we ended up going down this uh, lane because I forgot, I completely forgot uh, about this stuff and uh, what I had read over the weekend. Uh, so Joe, did I that... lose you on, on your end? Uh, uh, no. Skype is telling us that we oh, have a sorry. poor activity. I, uh, 
I did what I, something I rarely do, which is mute it at the Skype level, and uh, I forgot to ah. unmute it. But no, I'm glad we we got on this uh, line of uh, topic because I I forgot completely up until we started the show about reading these stories over the weekend and seeing this stuff come out, and it is very troublesome. And it 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 goes to the the credibility of the you know everybody wants to throw Pizzagate out as some sort of conspiracy theory. Uh, well, fine, but let's talk about Pedogate, the real problem of, of uh, pedophilia in Hollywood and in positions of power. It's not just Hollywood. It's, it's D.C. It's the top levels of business and uh, of uh, entertainment, of, of politics and e- the economy and on and on and on. I mean, at the U.N., look at the guy who, uh, who we just mentioned, Joel Davis, a guy who was... Uh, basically running the abused children, sexually abused children area of uh, the UN uh, or this organization of the UN. And he was one of the biggest perpetrators. And we see this the as man was too the, often. The, look, the, Joe, look, the, I know we're going to move off this topic here in a moment because I know it, it causes you and I both to have, fr- frankly, it just makes Mondays even rockier than they already are. But this guy, Joel Davis, when I said a moment ago, that if he was in sprinting distance, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock his, I'm gonna clean his clock. Please understand, listeners. I'm not trying to sound like some kind of tough guy on a Monday afternoon. This guy was masturbating to pictures of infants being sexually abused. This person, Joel Davis, by my categorization, is no longer a human being. And the reason I said I would beat him up rather than just straight shoot him is I don't want the, I don't want the authorities knocking on my door when it's time to go to the studio tonight. So. These people we're talking about, now these comedians, okay, they can make up their excuses, they can delete their accounts, they can do whatever they like. Uh, I got a shout out on Lionel yesterday, on Lionel Nation, um, with a uh, quote that I put into uh, the chat, and it was simply this, and I reminded people of this on Twitter last week, and it got retweeted a lot. You have the power. All of you listeners have the power, and that power is in your box office dollars. Now, this may sound quaint, okay, like, oh, let's all ban ivory soap and we'll really show it to it's like no 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 ivory soap is a worldwide global thing that's been around over a hundred years uh you know uh uh, two million people could stop buying ivory soap and it's not going to make a difference but i'm going to tell you what two million people decide not to go see the next x-men franchise or the next guardians of the galaxy film or you cancel your disney xd from your cable package and they're going to feel that really fast so so all of our listeners, they think to themselves, woe is me, what can I do? I already pray every day that, that Jesus will protect the children. Well, the power's in your pocket, people. Uh, you're the ones that go pay, uh, depending on where you live in the country, 12 to about $20 uh, per movie ticket. You are, in aggregate, the, the, the gas. You're putting the fuel in the tank, and you're paying uh, for these reprobates' behavior. And Joe, I made this comment, I made this point, in my uh, remarks at the Awaken to the Shaken conference last year with Pastor Paul Bagley in Chicago, look, even if one dime of my money is going into Brian Singer's pocket so that he can put a roofanol in a 14-year-old little boy's punch at, a, at some sick hot tub party, that is 10 cents of my money too much. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I canceled my Netflix subscription just because of the Michelle Wolf uh, special that they had up there where she was promoting and celebrating abortion. 
uh, you know, it, it's time we draw the line in the sand. And I got another story that deals with this too, uh, which is the NFL. And I don't know how many people saw this. The NFL took a hard stance against the coming out against the kneeling, which was something that uh, was made popular last year. And they just said that this is what they were going to do. Twenty thousand dollars. Uh, fine for people who kneel. If you don't want to be out there on the field when the anthem is played, you can be in the locker room. Well, they have now reversed that policy due to uh, uh, a player's union um, complaint, I guess, or an appeal. And I don't know, it's still up in limbo. Uh, they, they still have a decision to make. But, you know, they're going to, the, the social justice, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, politicizing everything in every area of our society, whether it's the theater, whether it's entertainment, whether it's whatever it is, people are getting so sick and tired of it. I, I'm to the point now where, you know, if the NFL doesn't you know, really buckle down and say, hey, we're going to implement this policy, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to impose these fines, no matter what the players union says, because I know one thing. If I'm at work and I'm on the radio and I'm live on the radio and I want to protest, I don't know, think of anything, Uh, you know, something a guest says or I I don't know. Abortion is always a good one. How about gun grabbers? Let's say you want to protest gun grabbers. Yeah, I could not, you know, take a moment of silence or or take a knee while I'm being paid to do a job. Uh, you know, that uh, I'm supposed to be doing. It's one thing to, to protest or maybe, you know, uh, put a mark on your helmet or wear a different color shoelace to, to let it be known that you're you're protesting. But to take a knee during the national anthem, which is just uh, an insult to everybody who, who had I'm fought and who had uh, died for that flag and protecting the freedoms that those flags represent. That's right. They, these people are not, they, they say it's a... a uh, what do they say? It's it's an infraction against their First Amendment rights to tell them they can't protest uh, while they're on the field. Well, that's BS. Once because again, you know why? Because they're on their the company time, not their own time. That's right. That's right. That's right. They're very well put, Joe. You're on company time, and guess what, listeners? Right back at you. You've got the box office dollars that control the NFL as well. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. Uh, if every Hagman Report listener got behind every Josh Tolley listener, Caravan to Midnight listener, True News listener, and we really said enough is enough. And I'm going to drop a short video on Twitter uh, about 3 o'clock this afternoon uh, talking about shutting Hollywood down and how easy it is to do it. Um, So people can look for that on my Twitter feed a little bit later on this afternoon. But look, here's the deal. Shut it down. Walk with your feet. I I, I know it kind of sounds like, oh, well, just... You should write your congressman. Well, guess what? Don't waste your time writing your congressman because more likely than not, depending on where you live in the country, your congressman or congresswoman doesn't care. What they care about is building their war chest and getting reelected in two years. That's all, that's what they care about. So don't don't waste your time writing them. But you keep yourself and your grandkids. Don't walk up to that box office. Don't fork over 110 bucks of your hard-earned money that, by the way, you had to earn over 200 before taxes to mit- to make. Don't do it. Just shut it down. Uh, I'm telling you, Joe, uh, a lot of, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on people or hurt their feelings, but let's be rock bottom honest here. Parents, it's a lot easier to plunk your kids down in front of your 60 inch 
and put on Mulan, okay, than it is to take them outside frog gigging or to take them out and, and, and say, hey, you're going to come out with dad and we're gonna, I'm going to teach you how you change a tire. Or, uh, or hey, hey, son, why don't you jump in the truck with me or jump in the car? We're going to go down to the hardware store. I'm going to show you how you, how you fix a screen window. That's, that's what we're going to work on today. See, to a five- or six-year-old kid, you can plunk them down in front of Disney and help brainwash them, or you can engage them. And, and I think what a lot of adults forget, Joe, is that a five-year-old, as long as you're playing with them and you're having fun, they're just as happy to go to the hardware store and learn how a screen is made as they are to sit there and, and, be, and be hypnotized and mesmerized by watching Mulan for the 27th time. Right, right. And that's very well said, and, and you're absolutely right. And I would say as early as possible to keep them as far away from the TV screens as you can. Uh, you know, I see my, my own nephews are, are uh, you know, in, so in deep in those, in those screens now. It's like uh, they're inseparable. Anytime there's a moment of, of sitting or, or uh, of any type of uh, situation that requires, you know, patience and, and uh, whatever, they want that they need the phone they have to have the phone or else they're going to freak out and start crying and yelling and it's just unfortunate to see that uh you know the kids something so preventable i mean you you don't you just don't give it to them within their you know first i forget what it is five ten years of their life so they're not accustomed or or it's not a habit that they are basically born with uh because of the access of screens but you know we were talking about this off air the other day john you couldn't keep us inside when we were kids, you could not, I mean, we no, were, absolutely not. We were outside constantly. We had games for when it was daytime. We had games for when it was night. We had games for when it rained. We had games for when it was sunny. I mean, absolutely. We, absolutely. It, it didn't matter. Remember, Hey, remember, remember how much fun it was to take a baseball bat in your mitt and bungee cord it to the frame of your BMX bike and ride out to where your buddies were going to be, oh, yeah. or even just a shovel. My, my buddies and I, we used to just dig big holes just to see how deep we could get the hole. And then if we could get the hole deep enough, then we would want to turn it into a tunnel. Then we'd start digging sideways. And we actually, you know, you get four or five 11-year-olds out there with shovels that mean business. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can dig one a heck of a deep hole. Just make sure if you do it in your mom's backyard, you keep the dirt handy because when she gets home from work, she's going to want that hole filled back in. But hey, hey, Joe, I want to switch gears. Uh, we're, we're already halfway through our show, and I know that this is something you and I are going to want to talk about today. Now, look, the top news item today is President Trump's tweet about Iran, and we will get to that uh, uh, per Joe uh, Hagman uh, uh, before the show ends. But I want to I drop this first. This kind of ties into what we're talking about. We're talking about Twitter. We're talking about this pedophilia issue. Then we segued into uh, devices and IT and how to protect your kids from that and where kids are with being what I, what I call a screenhead. Um, but adults are looking for their coping mechanisms as well, Joe. And this was written on Friday, uh, but this got a lot of traction over the weekend. In fact, I'm going to tweet it out right now. Um, this is uh, from DailyMail.co.uk. It says... Xanax could be driving America's next drug epidemic. Top psychiatrist warns addictive anti-anxiety meds are being dished out like opioids were in the 90s, and patients are struggling to quit. Again, let's be honest. Uh, anxiety is a massive problem in this country. It is the evil stepsister of depression. The two tend to go hand in hand. I know that for myself personally, it's like a pendulum. I'll go 
I'll go three, four days over into feeling kind of depressed. And then if I don't manage that depression through prayer, through exercise, through nutrition, I know none of that stuff's very sexy, but it all helps. Um, if I don't manage it, then it swings over into anxiety. And then you're looking for the Xanax, uh, the Ativan, the Clonopins, et cetera. Uh, Joe, your opinion on this, uh, this new epidemic, obviously it's something we see all the time. And then do you want to talk about some of the natural remedies that are available? Well, yeah, it is, uh, you know, it is an epidemic if you are, uh, at least on, on those drugs and you are, are hooked. Uh, and I can tell you because as a, on a prescription level, uh, not too long ago, just a few years ago from taking them as prescribed, I was hooked on, uh, Kalanapin. Me too. And yep, I got that I've been hooked a on a nightmare. couple different things. Yeah, it was a nightmare to get Absolutely. off Absolutely. And you know, but I'll tell you what, it really does clear your mind up. Uh you'd be surprised at how much you uh are, are how much that numbs of your mind, how much that blocks out whether it's learning abilities, whether it's uh language skills or or whatever it is. Short-term memory, comprehension, short-term memory, it, yes. It, it, there is it so really much burns up it affects. But look, here's the deal. I've talked to many. Oh, go ahead, buddy. Well, I just want to say on top of and people are using these on top of the opioids. So say because so, it it'll enhance the you know feeling of the opioid. And I know people who have died just from mixing the two together. And it's a very dangerous thing, but the misuse excellent point. and constant use, at least to the, where you're, you're addicted, um, is very bad. And yes, it will, it will be similar to the next epidemic. Imagine, you know, a 50 million Americans who are on, on uh, addicted to Xanax now or Klonopin now by no fault of their own, just by uh, taking them as prescribed. And imagine the supply chain sure. getting cut off. Um, well, I would not want to go the, through that's that. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem right there. Look, here's the deal. Um, Joe and I both know what we're talking Look, when it comes to drugs, Joe Hagman and I both know what we're talking about, okay? Um, and, and frankly, I have limited patience uh, with guests or people with whom I interact who pretend to know what they're talking about, and basically they really don't. When it comes to drugs, you've either been there or you haven't. And a lot of the people that listen to the Hagman Daily Show, and I say, God bless every one of your hearts, and I truly mean that, um, they've been there. They know what we're talking about now. If you are on a benzodiazepine, okay, so clonopin, Xanax, Ativan, Valium, Librium, there's a whole bunch of them, but those are the, probably the most popular ones. Uh, if you're on one of these benzodiazepines, first of all, you cannot get off on your own. Um, you can try, but even if you can get down to 0 0.10 milligram of what you're taking, you're still going to have to make a leap and you're still going to have some discomfort. But there's a lot of things that the medical community can do for you. And this is where I depart from some of the fundamentalist Christian doctrine, Joe, is if you're struggling with a benzodiazepam, and if you're on a benzo, you know you're on a benzo, okay? Um, there are four or five things that really help. Uh, number one is kratom, for sure. Blue, uh, red vein kratom. Also, uh, valerian. We've talked about this on air before. It can be purchased at Whole Foods. It can be purchased online. You want the extract, the dark brown liquid that comes in a little tiny brown bottle with an eyedropper. Two or three full eyedroppers of that um, is going to pick up the same receptors in your brain that the Valium does. In fact, Valium is the synthesized version of Valerian, which is a root that has grown and been used since biblical times. 
Also, there's GABA, G-A-B-A. GABA is the active ingredient in gabapentin, but it's also available over the counter as a health supplement. Now, you want to get the crystalline uh, uh, substance that you mix in water. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing any of this on your own. You want to get with a holistic doctor. And you can tell, Joe, when you walk into a doctor's office. If you, if you think you're going to walk into a pill pusher's office and they're going to give you any straight information on GABA, valerian root extract, uh, kratom, kava extract, K-A-V-A is another great one for anxiety. And the only one I recommend for sleep deprivation that's a, that's a prescription would be trazodone. But even a good high-quality melatonin can work uh, in lieu of trazodone. So what I'm saying to our listeners out there, because we've helped a lot of people, Joe, with our shows about Kratom. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to, uh, to my friend Linda. Uh, we've helped a lot of people uh, on our show with our, a couple of uh, broadcasts about Kratom. Between Kratom, valerian root extract, kava extract, GABA, capital G-A-B-A, and something to help you sleep, whether it's melatonin over the counter or trazodone, which is a prescription drug, you can get off these medications. Now, you need to do so under the purview of a holistic doctor. Don't If you walk into some doctor's office and his clock is made by Prilosec, all of his ballpoint pens are made by Prozac, the clipboard you signed in on yeah. is from Zoloft or Paxil, you're in the wrong office. Uh, I've talked enough. Joe, back to you. Well, see, that's one of the things that is a big problem with these with these class of drugs is that they are not supposed to be uh, drugs that you take on a regular basis to where you're getting addicted. They're supposed to be as use, but we don't have that. We have, uh, you know, psychologists and, and psychiatrists who are writing prescriptions of these uh, without, you know, and, and then upping the dose as you your tolerance grows, not caring about the side effects. Or what, you know, when, because you know, I remember when I went to the doctor, I was having, <clears throat> since I've uh, been 19, I've had some pretty severe anxiety issues to the point where uh, a few times I've actually went to the hospital thinking I've have having a heart attack. And yeah, uh, you and I both share, you and I, well, let me, let me jump in quickly. Uh, folks, Joe and I both suffer what I would call occasional clinical anxiety. So go ahead, brother. Yeah. So uh, long story short, I, I end up going to uh, get help after you know years after the problem started which i used i used to uh it used to drinking would help i would drink in the evening a, a few shots a few beers and that would put that feeling in my chest down well obviously i couldn't live like that so i went to seek some help and i was put on one milligram three times a day dose of colonopin and i was i did that for maybe three or four years but it became a problem in the in the fact that I could not function or I, I could function, but uh, you would get sick if you didn't have it. And I, I did not want to be addicted to anything. I did not want to have that dependency. And, you know, sure enough, uh, to, you know, stopping that took about a month at least before I started to feel normal again. And I, you know, I would yep. not want anybody to, else to go through that. But <clears throat> the point being is these medicines are not supposed to be, prescribed for long-term uh even when my grandma was was uh dying and they did hospice they brought over a little care package and in that care package there was a bottle of morphine uh you know some other stuff and there was six ativan and even then the the lady told me 
use these very cautiously. They're very addictive and very strong. They were one milligram out of Van John. So obviously, yeah, that's a, that's a, I'll tell you, I could eat all six. I'd put all six right, of those right. down with one. I'd, I'd, I'd put those and down without a glass fine. of water. Go ahead. Yeah, and function fine. You wouldn't even notice it. But, um, you know, these medicines are not supposed to be for long-term use. They're supposed to be uh, on nights you can't sleep or, or when, when uh, you know, you have incident that occurs. But my doctor prescribed it to me as though uh, it was a normal thing. It was okay. And, you know, before I know it, boom, you're hooked. And now you have a problem. Now you have to find a way to get off the drugs because if you don't, then you might find yourself in a position where you might be really feeling really terrible if you are out of insurance or out of, uh, you know, whatever it is that helps you or allows you to get your medicine. And you don't want to be dependent on that kind of stuff anyway. So, you know, I uh, and, and I remember telling my doctor it was never supposed to be a long-term thing. I wanted something to take the symptoms it never away. never is. And, and uh, yep. you know, I, and there was no end in sight, so I, I just had to stop seeing him. And I told him, look, I'm, I'm going to quit doing this. Um, I didn't have him wean me down or anything. I did, I did it all uh, by myself, uh, which I would not recommend. But I did use the Kratom. I did use, you know, the CBD and, and THC oil. Uh, you know, sorry if people are offended by that. Um, but I, I'll tell you what. I'm not. Works. No, I know. But some it people works. are. I some get it. it no, but, but listen. It, it, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Finish your I'm just No, I'm just squirming because I've been through the same thing as you. And by the way, I was with you, quote unquote, uh, during the time that you went through this. And, and, and you've known me during the time that I had to go to rehab, Joe. Uh, and there, now I went to rehab for drinking and, um, and I, I prefer to live an alcohol free lifestyle. If I, if I mess up and I drink, it destroys me for, for, for days at a time. But Joe, let's, uh, we've got, uh, about, uh, John, about 10, 12 minutes have a left. Drink. Come have a drink, bud. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm on my way. Let me just grab an Uber. Um, no, but, uh, but seriously, uh, uh, this is a good example of, of why it's so important to all the preparedness minded people out there. Okay. I just gave you a rundown of six products, Kratom, THC oil, GABA, valerian root, kava extract, these things, and then, uh, and then some good quality, I'm talking high quality, $20 a bottle, uh, 10, 15 milligram melatonins. Do not buy $3.99 melatonin. There's not a, there's not a, a, a particulate of melatonin in that garbage. But this is the deal. We're living in a time now where supply and demand is all done digitally. So if the internet goes down, the trucks will stop rolling, even if there's nothing wrong with the supply, the truck, the truck driver, or the pharmacy. If their computers don't work, you're done. Good luck trying to get a prescription out of a pharmacy if their computer system is down. They're just going to look at you like a deer in the headlights and say, I'm sorry, our computer system's down. You can look at them and say, I haven't slept in three days and I'm, I'm chewing the insides of my cheeks out because I haven't had my medication and all they're going to tell you is, well, we're very sorry, sir, but the computer system's down. So if one of the main steps you've got to make toward being preparedness-minded is realizing that Joe and I are shooting it straight to you. And, and uh, if you're in a pharmacy every week because you have to be, then you've got a problem, and that problem's got to be mitigated. Joe, I'm going to jump, uh, jump the shark here. I just, sh I just shot over to your cell phone two articles, the first from Fox News, um, it looks like uh, rhetoric got pretty heated this week uh, between President Trump and uh, and Rouhani, 
over in Iran. Um, now, I'm not real up to speed on this story, okay. but uh, it looks like am. President Trump took to Twitter. And yeah, what 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 happened? It sounds like some saber rattling for sure. All right. So I don't have my wait. I don't have my notebook with me where I, I took the notes, but it was being reported yesterday on Saturday morning that China was ditching Iran as its oil supplier and using Saudi Arabia exclusively which was a huge change as China's Iran's number one purchaser of oil and I was pretty surprised by that now let me let me do a quick search here because I did do it yesterday and or this morning I can't remember which one and I did not see the same results as uh, but anyway if if China moves away from Iran as far as energy uh, then that's a big deal. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, the news from the last few days. Okay. Uh, oil prices could hit $200 a barrel if U.S. and Iran go to war. Jeez. <laughs> Always with the war. Always with the war. But let me see. Um, okay, let me see. Let me do a quick, another search. Let me do China, Iran, oil. Okay, so let's see if, uh, okay, India and China could mitigate damage for Iran. China woos UAE with trade, balancing concern over Iran ties. India cuts imports from Iran by a quarter in past year. China has an Iran oil lever over Trump, and it's all playing out at OPEC. Okay, so the U.S. called for China to ban Iranian oil. And China rejected that call earlier this month. Now, no kidding. Like, yeah. like, like that's like China, like, like China, like saying, "Hey, China, we want you to stop using Iranian oil." Is the same thing as telling the United States to stop using uh, uh, United Arab Emirates or Qatar oil. It's like, okay, that might sound nice geopolitically, but uh, again, we've got trucks to run. Yeah, so I'm kind of confused as to where. Okay, so maybe what I read on Friday was just them pushing for china to ditch iran as its energy supporter because if that was a move that they actually went through with i was going to say you know prepare we're going to this is a a indicator of uh, upcoming conflict when you see uh you know the these countries moving away from an ally an ally long-term ally like they've had with iran uh, especially with their number one uh, export being oil, if that were the case that that China was moving away from that, uh, prepare, open your eyes because there is conflict coming. There would be no reason for uh, China or uh, these other countries to move away from Iranian oil uh, unless it was for the strategic uh, uh, agreement or, or necessity because of a upcoming potential conflict. Now, uh, I had a, like I said, I had taking notes i don't have my notebook with me uh this is what you have to do when you carry three computer screens up to your desk to do do the show but and not and not to mention half a dozen legal pads too i don't know about you joe but i live in the world of legal pad hell where i'm like which legal pad did i write that i've always got at least four or five going at the same time oh yeah okay i i know because i got i got like a thousand notebooks so i'm with you there so okay i am looking here and I guess well, while I you look, see, let me just, I let me, see what was there. Let me, uh, let me squeeze this in. Well, let me squeeze this in. This is important and we're running out of time. This is from bizpackreview.com. So this is BPR, business and politics, bizpackreview.com, uh, written by Samantha Chang and posted just a couple hours ago. 
Trump unleashes mother of all warnings after Iran president's threat never ever threaten U.S. again. It says Iranian President Hassan Rouhani apparently thinks wimpy Barack Obama is still president of the United States, but got a rude awakening from President Donald Trump, who unleashed the mother of all tweet storms on, I like that, tweet storms, on Sunday night. President Trump was responding to Rouhani, to Rouhani, rather, who threatened the mother of all wars against the United States if the U.S. places more economic sanctions on Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. Trump tweeted in all caps to, quote, never, ever threaten the United States again, or you suffer the consequences, the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand by your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. This from the President of the United States in all caps. There are 246,000 likes and a commensurate number of retweets on this, Joe. And right now there are 185,000 people talking about this on Twitter. So it is most certainly trending. Um, I know we're running out of time. I want to give you the last few minutes. Look, it sounds to me like it's this simple. Uh, Samantha Chang got it right. Got news for you, Rouhani. You're not dealing with uh, with old line in the sand Barry Satoro who bows to the Saudi ring any longer. You're dealing with President Donald J. Trump. And I give God all the glory uh, and all the praise for the fact that, uh, that uh, the wicked witch of the pantsuit is not in uh, the White House today. Joe, I'll well, you're not just dealing with you're not just dealing with President Trump. You're dealing with the the biggest uh, death machinery in the history of the world, that being the deep state, uh, the U.S. government, the deep state with the hands of our military equipment. Uh, you know, these people deal in death and destruction. And, you know, they, you know, always are looking to advance their agenda. And that does take physical battles. It does take military engagements whether it's warranted or not so you know that sooner or later uh, we are going to be at war with Iran sooner or later we will probably be at war with China and or Russia barring some type of bigger event that brings us together whether good or bad um, this is just the way of the world the new world order uh, although it is very subtle uh, as it says, Satan is the most subtle uh, beast of the field. And we see how through subtlety he has been able to uh, continually chip away at the morals and values and at the laws of this country. But uh, that only will go so far. You're going to see, like we saw with 9-11, spots where you see uh, you know, things pushed through in order to uh, uh because they are they have the opportunity to do so and don't think for a second that war with iran or any other nation is off the table just because president trump is in office i would even venture to say that it might not even be his decision if the united states well it would be congress's decision but even aside from that um you know just think about how we've seen this war apparatus uh, lie to the American people, set up all these stories and, and falsehoods and false narratives just to continue to, to, to perpetrate the, the war machine and justify the war from the first Iraq war to the second Iraq war to Afghanistan and on and on and on. Um, you know, who did 9-11? Who is responsible for 9-11? Well, apparently 
the whole Middle East, according to uh, George Bush, but uh, mainly Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Well, no, they had nothing to do with it. But we've been at war with Afghanistan since 2003, and we were at war with Iraq as well uh, for almost 10 years over 9-11, which they had nothing to do with. So again, you don't even need a reason uh, to go to war with the, the U.S. does not need a reason. It will make one up or do it to itself just in order to pull the trigger. They are evil. And it is. It and and you know what? And consider this, Joe, consider this. Eisenhower on his second to last day of his presidency, the man that took us through World War II and was the commander in chief and chief executive through the entire decade of the 1950s. He warned us on his second to last day out of what? The military industrial complex. But remember, the original speech was the congressional military industrial complex. And one of his advisors advised him to excise congressional from the speech. And not two years later, uh, John Kennedy, our youngest president to date, he warned us of the deep state. He warned us of the secret societies. And he got his head blown apart in front of the world uh, for his efforts uh, take a look, folks, at a, an article I wrote several months back. Can the deep state JFK President Trump? You can find that at HagmanReport.com. Can the deep state JFK President Trump? And then email us your thoughts, Joe. Oh, absolutely, they can. Uh, they can. They can do that. If they can do that to a sitting president, they can do that to anyone, leader or not, diplomat or not, citizen or not. They can kill anybody that they want to. Uh, okay, so just real quick here before we um, uh, break away for the day, a few interesting pieces of news that we should talk about. One, there is uh, Obama's former director of national intelligence says Obama is behind the entire Russian witch hunt. Go to the Gateway Pundit for that. Uh, Joe Hoff has the article. President Obama's former director of DNI, Clapper, came clean on CNN and stated that former President Obama was behind spying on President Trump. And you can read the article further there. Now, also, in other news, this is up on Hagman Report. FISA warrant application supports Nunez memo. This weekend, the release of a highly redacted version of the FBI's application for a Foreign Intelligence Service Act warrant to wiretap one-time Trump foreign policy advisor Carter Page has renewed the argument over the Nunez memo. The brief report produced by the House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunez detailing problems in the application from the time of the memo's release in February. Democrats and some in the press have denounced it as a collection of lies and mischaracterizations. On Saturday night, the denouncing started again. The only thing the newly released FISA documents show is that Republicans have been lying for months. The left think Tank Center for American Progress said in a typical response. Now, what's interesting about this is not only was Nunez right, but if you read the FISA memo, the the uh, heavily redacted piece of paper that just came out on Friday, there are pages missing. If you read the ends of sentences on some of the pages, they don't match the next page because you'll see the sent a sentence ending on on one page, and then the next page you're picking up in the middle of a sentence and that happens more than once so we know stuff's missing from those documents anyway we are at the end of the show thank you so much for joining us if you can support us on paypal or through simplycleanfoods.net promo code simplyclean i'm sure we'll have a chance on this week i want to thank you everybody for listening we'll be back tonight on the Hagman report at seven
The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to hagmanreport.com. That's hagmanreport.com.